We're so glad that you tuned in to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Kathy Kuhn, the Counseling Director here at Rolling Hills Community Church. Today, we're continuing in our Advent series, Love Came Down. In today's sermon, Pastor Jeff will continue teaching from the first chapter of Luke. He'll be speaking about joy and how the reason for this Christmas season is Jesus. Through Christ alone is where true joy is found, church. Now here's Jeff. This Christmas, just like each one before, we celebrate. But not because of the gifts, not because of the songs. We celebrate because love came down to give hope for the future. Love came down to grant peace to anxious minds. Love came down to teach us how to love one another. Love came down to show us where to find true joy. Love came down with Jesus. Love came down for you. Well, good morning, church family. Good morning. And to all those watching online, welcome. I'm so glad today is, man, we are toward Christmas. So Merry Christmas, everybody. I mean, it is Christmas time. We are like five days to Christmas. So for some of you, that's exciting. For others of you, you're like panicked because you got a lot to do, right? You're thinking about all the gifts you got to buy and all the cards you got to do and all the things you got to get done. But I just want to encourage you, it's Christmas. And there is so much joy that comes in this time of year. And we're going to be talking to about that today. Now, this is the time of year we give gifts to everybody, right? And there is an art form to giving gifts, right? To giving the right gifts. I remember when my niece turned five, uh, I gave her a drum set. So I just thought that would be great, you know, and my sister and my brother-in-law really appreciated that. In fact, they're still talking about it. 18 years later, they still talk about the drum set I gave my niece when she was five. So they remember it. So that was great. That was great. You know, so my college roommate, Last year, his wife was doing yoga, and so he bought her four goats and uh, put them in the backyard because he thought she might want to do goat yoga, right? And so they came out on Christmas Day, and the goats had eaten all the plants, all the patio furniture, everything. And so, you know, he thought, well, that wasn't a best gift, right? So there is an art form to giving gifts when you've got to give the right gifts. You know, you got to think about, do I know this person? How are they going to respond? What are they going to like? You know, you want to be sure and get the right size because that can get offensive, right? You don't want to spend too little because, again, that can get offensive. So you got to think about the right gifts. Now, have you ever thought about this? The whole reason we give gifts to those that we love at Christmas is because God gave the greatest gift of all to us. It's Christmas. And the reason we want to give is because we're like God. We're most like God when we love. We're most like God when we give. And God gave the gift of his son. In fact, you think about the angel's birth announcement, right? This will cause great joy for all the people. For today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. And the incredible joy that that brings us. Wow. You know, I love Christmas. I love watching my kids open the presents and just seeing the smiles and, and the joy. But you think about that all started from God. We're in our Advent series and we've been leading up to Christmas. We've been preparing our hearts for Christmas. We've talked about hope, right? The hope of Christ. And if any year we need hope, it's this year in 2020. And God steps in, Emmanuel, God with us. We talked about peace, that God came to bring us peace. 
peace with him, peace with others, peace with ourselves, that this is the time of love. Love came down to us. But it's also a time of joy, <laughs> deep, abiding, real joy. And we're preparing our hearts for this gift of Christmas, the gift of Christ who has come to us. So I hope and pray you're ready. You know, I hope and pray that God's going to break into our hearts and our lives and the joy will erupt in us because of what God has done for us at Christmas. Hey, if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, maybe you've got a mobile device. You could access the scriptures at version. If you're watching online, go to the Rolling Hills app. But we want to finish out Luke 1 today because all of Luke 1 is leading up to Luke 2, right? And Luke, third book, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, all of it, right, is leading up to the birth of the Messiah. And Luke, who was a Gentile, he was a doctor, very precise, historically accurate. He's writing this orderly account. And so he starts back at the beginning of Luke 1, you may remember, with Zachariah and Elizabeth. And he says, hey, there was this couple, they were old, he was a priest, uh, but he went into the temple and Gabriel showed up and said, hey, you're going to have a son and I want you to name him John. And immediately Zechariah's like the forerunner of the Messiah. He knew exactly what was happening, but Zechariah doubted, right? He's like, how can this be? I'm old, you know, my wife's old, you know, she's barren. We've been wanting children, but we haven't been able to have them. And, and so Gabriel says, hey, because you didn't believe, you're not going to be able to speak until the child's born. So Zechariah comes back out of the temple and he's like, he can't talk, you know, and everybody's like, he saw a vision, what's going on? And, and then Elizabeth becomes pregnant. And then we saw that in Luke, he continues on. He says, and then there's another girl, Mary. And Mary, who, who's this young virgin, and, and Gabriel appears to her and says, blessed, you're favored, you're going to have a child, he's going to be the Messiah. And she's like, what? You can't believe it. And I love her response, may it be to me as you've said, right? I am the Lord's servant. And we saw last week as they go to visit Mary and Elizabeth, they're a community, they're related, they're six months apart, you know, getting ready to have a baby. And, and there's this community that happens and then today we watch this unfold, right? So come here, verse 57, it says, When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. I mean, you can imagine. I mean, Elizabeth, she's been barren all these years. I heard Zechariah, who was a priest. They wanted kids, but couldn't have it. And now she's having this baby in her old age. She's so excited. They shared her joy. Well, on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. So on the eighth day is when they would bring baby boys. They would be circumcised, and that's when they would give them their name. Okay, and so they come, and they're getting ready to circumcise the child, and they're going to say, hey, we're going to name him Zechariah. I mean, that's what you did back then. You were named after your father. We kind of still do that a little bit today, right? You got the Johnsons, right? If you look at people's last name, they were sons of John, right? Or the Petersons, they were sons of Peter. So you kind of see that unfold, but they were going to name him Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. I'm like, John, where did that come from, right? I mean, Zechariah, I mean, what a great name. The Lord remembers his promise. Even Elizabeth, the Lord remembers his oath. John, where'd that name come from? It means Yahweh is gracious. Yahweh is gracious. But they said to her, hey, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. And that's kind of out of left field. Where'd that come from? 
Then they made signs to his father to find out what they would like to name the child in. And he asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Just like Gabriel had said, you're going to have a child and I want you to name him John. Yahweh is gracious. Well, immediately, right, underline that word immediately. Immediately, his mouth was open and his tongue set free. And he began to speak, praising God. The first thing Zechariah does is he starts to praise God. I can't believe this, right? I couldn't speak until I named him John and now I can speak. And he's praising God. He's so excited. And all the neighbors were filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all of these things, right? The forerunner, he's coming, the Messiah. We've been waiting 400 years for the Messiah to come. We've been preparing and getting ready. And now God's moving. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Now, you may have a heading that says, Zechariah's song. You remember last week, Pastor Jacob did a great job talking. If you missed last week, go back and watch the podcast or listen to it. But, but you had Mary's song, the Magnificat, right? Mary who finds out and she just burst out into songs. She's so excited. And now Zechariah, we have his song in Latin, the Benedictus. That's what this is. That's what it's called. And Zechariah's song, he says this, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. And Zechariah just starts off, he goes, God, thank you. We've been waiting 400 years and now you're breaking into our world. You're coming with help, with hope. He, God, has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. Now notice this. He's not talking about his own child here, right? His own child, John, who will become John the Baptist, prepares the way for the Messiah. He's talking about the actual Messiah. Right? He says, of the house of David. Zechariah and Elizabeth were of the house of Levi. They were priests. You remember that? So, so David, the Messiah would come in the line of David. So he's talking about this, this horn of salvation. I, I love that word horn because back then they believed all the strength of an animal lived in their horns. Right? So the bigger the horns, the stronger the animal. We kind of do that deer hunting, right? Or elk hunting. You, know? <laughs> and you kind of look at that. But but the horn of salvation, the salvation of God is coming in his servant, David. So the Messiah is coming. As he has said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation for our enemies and for the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham. Now, you may remember Abraham. Go all the way back. Genesis 11, right? Leave your country, your people. Genesis 12, go to a land I will show you, and I'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky. So he's going all the way back to Abraham. Hey, God had a covenant, a promise. Abraham was justified by faith, right? Not by works. It's not the good things we do to earn salvation. God already had a plan and a covenant of faith. God's bringing salvation through faith to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. We don't have to serve God and worry that we're going to mess up, that God's not going to accept us, that we're not going to be good enough. No, God's stepping in. God's paying the price. And holiness and righteousness before him all our days. I love that. All of our days. God's taking care of everything. 
And then he turns to his own child. So Zechariah makes this song, this proclamation about what God's doing, about the Messiah. And then he says, and you, my child. So picture this dad, right? You know, I mean, this eight days old baby in his arms. And he just looks at him and he's just tears coming down his face, you know, going, wow, God, you answered our prayers. And, and here you go. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. And you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. You know, you're, you're not the salvation. You're the one preparing the way for the Lord. I mean, think about that calling God has in your life. That was prophesied back in Isaiah. It was prophesied back in Malachi. There would be one who would prepare the way, the forerunner to the Messiah. And he realizes that's you, John. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. And if you think about the ministry John the Baptist will have later on, that's what he does. He's giving them the knowledge. Hey, I want you to know that you need salvation because you're sinful. And John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Hey, we recognize our sin. We recognize our shortcomings. We recognize our need for a savior because of the tender mercy of our God. I don't know if you underline, but man, that is a great verse right there just to underline. Because of the tender mercy of our God. I mean, so often people think, oh, God's up there and he's mad at us. Or God sent Jesus to condemn us. No, 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 no. It's the tender mercy of God who broke into this world. It's God who saw us in our total depravity and our, our sin and came to us. The tender mercy of our God. Some people go, well, why would, why would God send people to hell? God doesn't. God sent his son so that we wouldn't have to. God sent his son to redeem us, to restore us, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. I love that. He goes back to the Messiah, the rising sun, the light to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. Guys, that's why we're going to have Christmas Eve services in just a few days, and we're going to light candles and we're, we're just talking about the light of the world has come. And the darkness cannot overcome it. Right? And when light and darkness meet, who wins? Light. Every time. Right? I mean, every time. It's awesome. And to guide our feet into the path of peace. I love Zachariah's song. <laughs> He's just so fired up, man. He's so excited. God, you answered our prayers. God, not just my prayer for a child, you've answered our prayers as a nation. You've answered our prayers as a people for redemption and for hope and for peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. And you know John the Baptist, right? He grows up. He has this incredible ministry. He lives out in the wilderness, baptizing people. But God had a plan for him to prepare the way for God's son, the Messiah. All of this is leading up to Luke 2. And on Christmas Eve, we'll unpack Luke 2 and just the birth announcement of Jesus. But here's some things I want you to see today. Here's some things, if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write down. If, if you're here with us at our Franklin campus, or if you're online, go to the Rolling Hills app and you can fill in some blanks just to help you remember some things that God wants to teach us from this Luke 1 passage. Here's some things I'd love for you to get. Number one is this, how do we experience joy this Christmas? How do we experience joy? Be a person of joy, all right? Be a person of joy. 
Look, her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. I love that. Elizabeth was a woman of joy, you know? I mean, that's a great part. You think about Zachariah and Elizabeth. I mean, they're, they're older. They, they couldn't have kids. They wanted kids. But it didn't stop them. I mean, they're still serving the Lord. They're still active in the temple. They're still, you know, making a difference and pouring into that younger generation. And now they're getting ready to have a child. And, and all their neighbors and relatives, they're like, man, look at her joy. This is a woman of joy. Hey, joy is a choice. Don't miss that. Joy is a choice. You choose to be joyful or not to be joyful. And you make that decision. Elizabeth chose joy in life. Uh, there's some people like they get older and they get cranky. And you're like, why are you cranky? You know, it's because they do. It's just like, what happened? You know, you don't need to be cranky, right? Joy is a choice. You can choose to be joyful or not to be joyful. Hey, be enthusiastic. And this word, enthusiastic, right, I love that. Because enthusiasm, it comes from this Greek word, entheos, right, in God. That's exactly where enthusiasm comes. The crazy part is, though, we get enthusiastic about things that don't really last a whole lot, right? We, we get enthusiastic about a sports team, which, which is great, right? We go and cheer the Titans. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's awesome, right? And then they lose, and we're like, oh, man, what happened, you know? And, and we go up and down. It's this roller coaster ride. We get excited. It's on sale. Yeah, it's on sale. Oh, the sale went off yesterday. Bummer, you know? It's, it's just this up and down kind of thing. But when your enthusiasm is in God, it changes everything. When you get excited about seeing God work in people's lives or seeing people baptized or, or seeing God move in, in the hearts of your kids or in the people you're teaching, you, you just go, man, there's enthusiasm. That's what God wants for us. Be enthusiastic. Hey, manage expectations. I think Zachariah and Elizabeth, they, they were wise. They know, okay, we're an older couple and we're getting ready to have a toddler, right? You know I mean, like, this is not gonna be easy, right? This is not gonna be like, Oh, a walk in the park, you know, this baby's not going to cry. I mean, like, we're going to have some challenges. You got to manage, if you're going to be a person of joy, you got to manage those expectations. Sometimes we think Christmas is just going to be perfect, right? Everybody's going to get along. Everybody's going to love each other. I mean, everything's going to be perfect. Everybody's going to love their gifts, right? I mean, the teenagers are going to stay at home. They're not going to be on their phone. They're going to hang out and talk to us. And you're just like, Come on. I mean, right? there is some management of expectations. Otherwise, you're just going to be up and down. You're going to be trying to wrestle everybody. Some things are going to happen. I'll just tell you over the next five days. It's 2020, okay? I mean, like the things are going to happen. There's going to be some challenges that you're going to face. How do you manage those? Your two-year-old knocks over the Christmas tree. How do you respond, right? You know, and your dog eats the wrapping paper. Or you're, how do you respond? Because your kids are looking at that. And they're watching you. Friends are out. They're watching you manage those expectations. Hey, and then enjoy life. Guys, enjoy life. I think this is the call for all of us. And so few people do. So few people just see life as a treachery. And yet the Westminster Catechism says, right, the chief aim of man is to bring glory to God and enjoy him forever. Isn't that awesome? The chief aim of man is to bring glory to God and enjoy him forever. If you are in Christ, the Son of God has been born in you. There ought to be joy in your heart and in your life. That's why it says in 1 Thessalonians, right? Rejoice always. 
Let's be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Notice it doesn't say for all circumstances because there's sometimes the things are really hard. Let's be honest. But give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. G.K. Chesterton, he wrote this. Joy, which was the small publicity of the pagan, is the gigantic secret of the Christian. I love that. It's the gigantic secret of the Christian. <laughs> All right, notice this one. Join God in what he's doing. Joy God is what he's doing. Look at this. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free. All right, so remember Zechariah in the temple already part of Luke 1. Gabriel says, you're going to have a son. I want you to name him John. Zechariah's like, I don't know how this is going to go down. And, you know, are you sure? Uh, Gabriel's like, I'm an angel, dude. Come on. I mean, like, and now you're not going to be able to speak until the child is born. All right. So the child's been born, but they haven't asked, hey, what do you want to name him? And I think there was this moment for Zechariah all the time. He's thinking in his mind, like, should I name him John? <laughs> I'm probably not going to have any more kids. Right? I mean, this is my last one. I mean, this is my last shot. This is where my name's going to go out if I don't name him Zechariah. And so he's got this thing going on in his head like, maybe I should just name him Zechariah. I mean, God loves me, right? God will forgive me. I mean, I, you know, I'm going to keep my name going because we're not going to have any more kids. But immediately when he says his name is John, his mouth was open and his tongue set free. He says, God, I'm going to join you in what you're doing. God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to follow you. God, I'm going to invest in what you're doing and not just trying to preserve my name. And hey, we're still talking about Zechariah 2,000 years later, right? I mean, so, so this was the right thing, joining God in what he's doing. And he began to speak, praising God. You know, God, thank you. You don't need me, but you allow me to be involved in what you're doing. And all the neighbors were filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Hey, there is a difference between joy and happiness. And don't miss this, right? Because we, as a country, as a people, we pursue happiness, right? The pursuit of happiness. We all want this happiness thing. But happiness is an emotion. It's up and down. I mean, you can watch it at Christmas, right? You get your child this gift and a little baby, they, they unwrap it and then they play with it for a minute and then they're like, okay, I'm off to that. And they're going over here to the box. You know, and they're playing. You're like, I spent $100. You could go play with that toy. You know, they're like, well, I'm done with that toy. You know, I got to have something else. I'm, you're like, oh, you know, and they just move. But that's us. We just move from thing to thing. I'm going to cause me happiness. Oh, wait, it doesn't anymore. So I'm going to move on to something else. And, and that's our pursuit. We're always pursuing this elusive thing of happiness. And happiness changes because happiness is based on circumstances. Hey, when I got money in my account, maybe, whoo, I'm happy. Or when my job's going well, I'm happy. Or, or when things are going great at home, I'm happy. Or with my roommates, things are good. Or things are good at school and I get good grades, I'm happy. But, but when they're not, ugh, ugh. Sometimes you ask parents, you say, hey, what do you want for your kids? Well, oh, I don't care. Just as long as they're happy. <laughs> You're like, Really? Come on, want something more for them. Say, I want them to be in the center of God's will. I want them to be pursuing the Lord. I want them to make a difference with their life for the glory of God, you know? Not just this happy up and down. Joy is based on Christ. Joy is this, this unspeakable joy that we just sang about, right? Based on 
Christ, that God has done something to me. And whether things are good or whether things are hard, God is with me. God is for me. God loves me. What incredible joy that elicits in our life. It doesn't matter on what's going on around us. One of my favorite authors and one of the most brilliant thinkers in the last 200 years is a guy named C.S. Lewis. Right? And a lot of you have read C.S. Lewis, wrote Mere Christianity, Screw Tape Letters, The Great Divorce, The Chronicles of Narnia. Right? But if you know C.S. Lewis's story, C.S. Lewis grew up and then in his early teenage years, he was like, I'm, I'm an atheist. At age 15, he just declared himself an atheist. He said, I don't believe that there is a God. I just don't believe. And I'm going to pursue happiness. I'm going to pursue all these things and this academic achievement. And he became a professor at Oxford University, right? And he was brilliant, 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 brilliant. But he started to see, hey, wait a minute, there's got to be more to life. He started to see that that wasn't all that there is. Like, I've achieved these things, but they're not bringing me happiness. They're not bringing me fulfillment anymore. I've, I've accomplished all this. At the age of 32, he was walking one night and talking with J.R.R. Tolkien, you know, Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit, the guy, I mean, kind of brilliant too, you know. And so they're talking and Hugo Dyson, who are both Christ followers, Christians, and, and they started telling C.S. Lewis more about Jesus and about Christ. And C.S. Lewis says, I left that night in the park after talking to 3 a.m. and I'm walking home and I'm realizing it's all about what God has done. It's God breaking into this world. It's Jesus and later on, after writing all these great, you know, mere Christianity and screw tape letters, and he looks back on his life, and in 1955, he writes his autobiography, and he entitles it, Surprised by Joy. It's like, I didn't expect it. I didn't expect that the God of the universe would invite us into a relationship of joy. And C.S. Lewis went through some hard things. He went through some challenges and difficulties, but God was alive in his life. And he joined God in what he was doing, and it brought joy. Hey, keep your priorities right. You know? If you're to experience joy, keep your priorities right. What are the things in my life? So joy, Jesus first. Jesus first. Others second, and yourself third. If you do that, I'm going to tell you, you're going to start to have joy. What happens is we put ourselves over Jesus, right? And we're like, Okay, I'm going to please myself. I'm going to find my own happiness. I'm going to create my own way. You know, I'm going to do my own things. And, and then we kind of push Jesus out of the way. Or we put ourselves over others. Hey, you're here to give me happiness. You're here to make me happy. But when we begin to say, no, 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 no. I want Jesus to be first in my life. I want to join God in what he's doing. I want to bring glory to his name. I want to bless others. You know, Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. We know that as you grow up and move, it's not just... Hey, I'm going to make a Christmas list. It's what can I do to bless others? It's that generosity. Then yourself third. And what happens is it changes you. Your priorities change. Your life changes. And what comes is joy. What comes is joy. Always give God the glory. That's what I love about Zachariah's song. I mean, you saw it. He starts off. He's like, praise be to God. Benedictus, blessings on you. God, look at what you've done. God, put God First, he talks all about what God's doing, and then he comes down, my child, God's got a plan and purpose for you. You're going to join in God and what he's doing. Man, give God the glory, right? The chief aim of man, glorify God, right? Enjoy him forever. Okay, look at this one. Prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way of the Lord. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord 
to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. Oh, love that. Zechariah prayed a blessing over his son. At eight days old, right, he's holding him in his arms and he's praying this blessing over him. God's got a plan for you. God's got a purpose for you. John, you hold on to God. You trust him. Hey, there is power in praying over your children. Praying over your, your child, your grandchild, your niece, your nephews. Praying over there. There is power in that. You know, every night before my kids go to bed, I, I go in and I, I put my hand on their head and, and I pray over them. I pray that they would be wise and strong and make good decisions. I, I pray that they'd be filled with joy. I pray that every night. I pray that they'd be filled with joy and laughter and confidence. And then I always say it. I pray that you always know that God loves you and, and then they always look up and say, and their daddy loves us. And their daddy loves me. And their daddy loves me. Like, I want you to know that. I want you to hold on to that. I want you to grow up in that. I want you to have that truth. And, and like if I'm out of town or something, like I FaceTime in, you know, they're like, dad, you haven't prayed for me yet, you know? And so it's become something they expect. And I just encourage you, you know, whatever time you have with family over the holidays, take some time and, and pray together. Take some time and pray a blessing. There is power in your words. There's power in prayer as you pray over your children or over your family. Hey, his son, John, invested his life in preparing the way for Jesus, the Messiah. So if you know, right, if you want to go through and read through the Gospels, you can read more about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, he lives out in the wilderness. And then he spends his ministry. He becomes kind of a rock star in Israel. I mean, you can read. People are coming out to be baptized by John and the Jordan. Everybody's out there. And John could have been like, I'm pretty successful, man. I'm a pretty big deal. You know, check me out. <laughs> But John realizes, no, wait, I'm here to prepare the way for the Messiah. I'm here to point people to Jesus. And when Jesus comes walking up, he says, guys, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He sends his disciples over there. And John makes this incredible statement in John 3.30, right? John says, I must decrease, he must increase. <laughs> he must increase. I want the glory to be given to God. I want to further the way of Jesus, the Messiah. Hey, we're called, we, that's us, we are called to prepare the way of Jesus' second coming. You know, Advent is this waiting, and we get excited about Jesus' first coming, but it's really preparing our hearts for his second coming. Is that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is going to come back into the world, and he came the first time in humility, in the grace, the tender mercy of God, but when he comes the second time, he's coming in all of his power and all of his glory. And for us as Christ followers, God's got a plan for us. Prepare the way. <laughs> Let people know about the tender mercy of God. Let people know about what God is doing in this world. Share his love. Share his grace. We've got a calling just like John had a calling. Prepare the way of the Lord. Oh, that's good. All right. Realize God has invited you into his greater story. Realize God's invited you into his greater story. And the child grew and became strong. Notice this. He became strong in spirit. I mean, your kids, are, you're going to grow physically, right? You're going to grow mentally in school and all that. But, but he grew and became strong in spirit. 
God used John in a powerful way and God wants to use you. I mean, you think about that, that John had his time. John had his calling. But so do you. And God put you in the family you're in for a reason. God put you in the neighborhood you're in for a reason. God put you in the job you're in for a reason. You are there. And nobody else, right? God put you there. And God used John. And will God use us? Will we be faithful in our day and our time? Grow in your relationship with God. Grow. Mature. Grow in the spirit of the Lord. And invite others to him. You know, Christmas is a great time to invite people to come. I mean, people will come to church at Christmas and at Easter more than any other time of year. And what a great opportunity. I want to invite neighbors, friends, like, hey, join us. You know, come to Christmas Eve online or come, you know, to Channel 4. But this is the time to invite people. This is the time to, to encourage your kids. Maybe you need to buy your kids a new Bible. And they're still using the Bible they got, you know, from first grade. And they're a senior in high school now. And you're like... Hey, wait a minute. I need, to, I need to take an inventory of that. I need to see where they are. There's something age appropriate. Maybe, you know, my grandchildren, right? Yeah, they're, they don't have a Bible. Uh, what can I do? How can I give a gift that's going to keep on giving, that's going to impact their lives? Let me look at that. Maybe it's a devotional book. Let me, let me give to them, help them to grow in spirit, to grow and to mature in their own faith, in their own journey. See, joy comes when you focus on what you do have and not on what you don't. And I think this is the biggest struggle for Christ followers today, right? Because we're in the world, but we're not of the world. But we're in this world, and this world says, hey, you buy the new car, you're going to be happy. And you are for about 3,000, 4,000 miles. And then all of a sudden you got to do service on it and everything else, and you're like not happy. I mean, you know, you, gosh, you get a new house, you're going to be happy, you get this new outfit, woo, you're going to be happy. You know, you get this, and we fall into that same mindset. And God wants us to have things. God wants us to enjoy life. But we always have to think about what we do have. And what we do have is Christ. We don't just spend time on Instagram going, I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. They do, I don't. No, we spend time on our knees going, thank you, God, for what I do have. The tender mercy of God has redeemed me. I've got salvation. I've got hope. I've got peace. I am forever His. Wow. And what comes in us is joy. Unspeakable joy. Hey, bring it on. Whatever the world wants to throw at me, Satan's not going to steal my joy because you know what? I am a child of God. I am redeemed and restored. Joy comes when you focus on what you do have and you have Christ. So will you experience the joy of Christmas? You know, it is Christ is in the name, right? We make it about a lot of other things, but really it's Christ, the Messiah, Jesus. It's Christmas. Will you experience that joy this Christmas? I love what the Apostle Paul writes. Right, He says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Christmas ought to remind us the greatest gift of all has been given to us. The greatest gift of all has been given to you. Receive that gift. And then allow the joy of Christ to come alive in you. Hey, do your neighbors and relatives, do they share your joy? <laughs> do they share your joy? 
that they go, wow, you know, they, they don't complain, they don't sit around and argue. They, they're joyful. And I want to share that joy. Let's be those people this Christmas. Let's be people of hope. Let's be people of peace. Let's be people of love. Let's be people of joy. Let's be people of Christmas. Because the indescribable gift of God has come to us. Hey, I don't know where you are today, but I just want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Maybe this morning, wherever you are, maybe today you want to receive that gift. God, I've been pursuing happiness, but today I want joy. Maybe you just say, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart, my life. I want to receive the gift. Forgive my sins. Redeem me. Restore me. And maybe for you, Satan's already stolen your joy. I mean, it's five days to Christmas and you're already tired. And maybe a day you just go, get behind me, Satan. Jesus is enough. I want to worship. I want to sing. Like Zachariah's song and Mary's song. I, I want to be a person of joy. Maybe a day you just want to focus on Jesus and the hope you have in Christ. And think about all that God's done in your life, all that God's done in your life in 2020 and even before. And just say, wow, thank you, God. So Father, here we are, your disciples today. And we admit, God, that we get so caught up in the world and the things we don't think we have. (laughs) But today, remind us of the joy of Christmas. Remind us of the joy of the indescribable gift that you broke into our world and into our lives when we were dead in our sins and transgressions and brought us hope and peace and love and joy. God, we need you. So come and fill us today and let us be people of joy this Christmas. In your name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Church, God is here and he is moving. And I just want to encourage you, you know what? Let's be people of joy this Christmas. Let's make it our best Christmas yet. In the midst of a challenging time, hey, let's focus on him. This time I want to invite our ushers to come forward. It's a chance for us to give back, a chance for us to invest in God's kingdom. If you're online, you can, you know, have a prayer request or whatever. You can go into the chat room. We'd love to pray with you, talk with you. You can raise a hand. You can be there to give. You can go to the website. But for all of us on the worship guide, there's a place if you want to put a prayer request, we would love to pray with you and pray for you. Just drop in the basket here. God is at work and it's Christmas and we're most like God when we love and when we give. So Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for the joy that we have in Christ. Fill us, God, and use us, God, for your glory to spread the hope and the peace and the love and the joy of Christmas this year. In your name we pray and we give. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what's happening and ways you can connect. We're thankful for you.